Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So guys, just to let you know, this is going to be our last episode of the year. That's right, we're taking the next two weeks off and we will be back in your ears and your podcast feeds on January 9th with some fun new content. But as always, if you're missing us over the break and you want to get some more Name 3 songs in your life, you can join us over at patreon.com where we have fun bonus episodes, including December's episode in which Sarah and I break down our Spotify wrapped and make each other listen to each other's top songs so you guys can come get a taste of our music favorites. As well, we have some of our past episodes, including breaking down Astroworld and all the conspiracies that happened around that. We've also recently talked about Machine Gun Kelly and his very chaotic career since we once proclaimed he was the best thing to happen to pop punk. (laughs) So our caveat is that Machine Gun Kelly is still a human who fucks up. So we're breaking down that (laughs) and a bunch of other fun stuff over on our Patreon. If you guys want to hang out, it's patreon.com slash name three songs. But today we have a special episode. So what are we talking about today, Sarah? Today we are doing an overview of some big and exciting and crazy news that happened over 2021 that like I still can't believe all of this happened this year. Somehow this is the longest year of my entire life. Literally. Um, I thought 2016 was bad. This is (laughs) this is worse. It's all just one big blur. Yeah, time means nothing. I don't understand how anything works. But we did have some really cool news. We had some decent albums come out. Not as many towards this end half of 2021. There started to be more good releases happening. Yeah. Whereas like the start, <laughs> the start like of the like, year was kind of dry. There really was. I was going to say there was like a dry spell for like several mo- Most of this year, honestly, is like, does anyone make music anymore? <laughs> Yeah, it was just Olivia. Everybody knew that Olivia Rodrigo was like just killing it. And they were like, you know what? I'm going to take a backseat until this is over. Yeah, they're like, we don't stand a chance against her. So we're just going to chill. And then BTS came out with their English songs. I think they, they challenged Olivia Rodrigo finally. But yeah. It's been a year. Oh my god. It's it's been a year. But yeah, so we're going and talking about some of the news that happened that we can't get over. But to start things off before we get into the big things that we a hundred percent know you guys would be interested in us talking about. Jenna, personally for you, what was your biggest like pop culture moment? Because I know you finally started caring about pop culture now, so this is very exciting for me. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, number one, I I started caring about pop culture because of the podcast, but I wasn't like personally invested in celebrity updates or beef or anything until I became personally invested in BTS. And so this happened very recently. But like, honestly, looking back (laughs) at the whole year, it's the only important thing that happened, which was four members of BTS attending Harry Styles concert in LA and all of the video fan footage that came out of it. Literally highlight of my life because as a One Directioner, 
partner, seeing my new favorite boy band BTS, singing their hearts out to what makes you beautiful is a beautiful thing. And I and I want everyone to experience <laughs> that fangirl moment. Oh my God. Was there anything that came in close second? <laughs> BTS's label announcing that they were going to go on vacation and that they wanted fans to give them space and we probably weren't going to hear from them. And then the next day they all made Instagram accounts and literally have not stopped posting since. So it was not a vacation for fans because they keep posting and it's very chaotic. And it turns out they know so many army jokes that we all thought were inside fan jokes that uh, apparently they know because they also read our Twitters. (laughs) I love the idea of management being like, they need a break and them being like, but our fans. (laughs) You know what? Okay, this is definitely something we could come back to in the future, but K-pop is totally different in the fact that they know they wouldn't be where they are without their fans. And so the parasocial relationship between BTS and ARMY is entirely different than any other artist and their fan. And same goes for K-pop in general, but they literally do not stop talking about ARMY and how much they miss ARMY and how much they love ARMY and how much they're excited to see ARMY me at the concerts and all this stuff and I'm like you would never see like Justin Bieber talking this much about his fans during a like concert comeback. <laughs> Justin or so. it, Bieber can never. It's 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 crazy, honestly. But that's enough about me, Sarah. What were your favorite pop culture moment or moments of this year? I feel like there are so many ridiculous things that like we already are going to be talking about. But I feel like Obviously, number one, during the height of my Harry Styles infatuation was him dressed in all leather dancing at the Grammys. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, still lives rent-free in my head. Honestly, really kicked off the year with a bang with Harry and all leather and that boa. I think forever that will be seared into all of our minds. To all of our hopes and dreams. Yeah, I mean, for him to essentially do what he always does, which is like be really relevant and then kind of disappear for that to be like the last time we saw him for a while prior to me realizing that Harry's not what I've created in my brain. Like, I feel like that was a really nice gift to me personally for him to dance like that in a leather suit (laughs) for me. Yeah, it was like such a great, perfect memory before we started hating Harry Styles. Just kidding. We don't hate him. We love him with a caveat. (laughs) Just like MGK. (laughs) But in like similarly horny leather vibes, um, the discovery of Monoskin, I think, was also one of the highlights of pop culture-ness for me because they, as a collective group of four, are like a lot of what Harry Styles thinks he's doing Ooh, <laughs> um, good point. because they're genuinely outspoken about gender fluidity and sexuality and political things that they are passionate about. But I will say that it is hilarious to listen to a band in Italian, which I don't speak at all, translate their Italian lyrics to songs and realize how like beautifully poetic and incredible they are. And then every single English song that they have is like, I'm going to fuck you till you scream and cry. Oh, my God. Oh, you know what? It's- <laughs> like, they're so horny in English. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And you know what? The craziest part of all of this is the fact that they got famous out of Eurovision. I know, which never happens. Yeah. Yeah. There there were just so many like random pop culture things that aligned beautifully in the stars for all of these things to happen. 
Well, I think also for Moniskin's, a lot of it was people posting about it on TikTok, which like obviously travels farther than other webs of the internet, you know. But it's just also funny how they got famous and popular in America off of a cover of an American, yeah, like an English language song that came out in like the 60s or 70s that every single person who has covered that song has gotten success from. So it's clearly something that you go pick up at a crossroads in Texas from somebody in a hat who might work with the devil. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about international bands coming to America mm. and making English songs, BTSs are all, we don't need permission to dance. <laughs> and then their Korean language songs are, <laughs> like you said, similarly masterpieces. So love America um, being America. I feel like that's really just saying something about the ability of Americans. <laughs> like people... <laughs> like digest music that has any meaning yeah so with all that being said with personal faves in mind i think we should talk about everybody's favorite teenager that we all discovered this year it is truly truly wild olivia rodrigo's trajectory over this year and the fact that driver's license came out on january 8th 2021 like, girl was not messing around. <laughs> she, they were, like, ready to go. They were like, all right, January, nobody releases music. This is our time. And boy, were they so right. So for those of you who weren't on TikTok when all this went down, it was the beginning of January when she entered the pop culture zeitgeist and made her way to being the youngest solo artist ever to debut at number one on the Hot 100. This was, of course, Driver's License, which went on to stay number one for eight whole weeks. And a Essentially, she went from like a relative nobody who was starring in the like Disney mockumentary about performing in High School Musical to being all that anyone was talking about on TikTok for at least a month, but honestly, probably more. Then they had that SNL sketch about how relatable driver's license was, even to middle-aged men who are drinking (laughs) at the bar, playing pool, to then going on to actually perform on SNL and being nominated for seven Grammys, including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. Like I said, the trajectory in one year is insane. Literally unparalleled. We've never seen anything like this. And of course, Olivia's songwriting is hitting so close to home for so many people of all ages and genders. And honestly, the fact that most millennials are all up in their pop punk feels over Olivia is what's keeping us going right now. I love Olivia Rodrigo and what liking Olivia Rodrigo has meant for the internet (laughs) and especially for like millennial women which I just think is hilarious because obviously she's a teenager but all I can remember was when Sour came out was all these men online being like wow there's so many like late 20 year olds screaming about Olivia Rodrigo on Twitter I wonder why they're trying to act like they're teens and it's like just let women be in their feels (laughs) and relate to something that is uh, incredibly relatable I think for everyone because I mean this album Olivia Rodrigo's career everything about every song on Sour I think was relatable but I mean Driver's License itself just took on this whole other meaning and world to it because there was this drama behind it that everybody was super intrigued with 
And it's so funny because I think that even if we didn't know what was going on, like people on TikTok had absolutely no clue. Basically, for those of you who weren't on TikTok, the trajectory of the song was, was that Olivia puts a video of her like performing the song in her house out onto TikTok. And people are like, oh, my God, you have to release this. Like that whole thing, not knowing that she, in fact, already assigned to a record deal label oh and all these things. Yeah. But why would they, you know, like she's a Disney star when Disney doesn't have the same pa- like Disney Channel yeah. shows don't ha- hold the same power that they once did, you know. And so then you have the song coming out, a bunch of people in their mid to late 20s being like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Who hurt her? Like this whole thing. And people are creating songs from like the boy's perspective, the other girl's perspective, Olivia's perspective, like 10 years later, because that's what a lot of the people who are reacting to the song are is like Olivia 10 years down the line, you know, and they, they create this whole kind of universe around the idea of the song driver's license and then people put together kind of the clues that the song is about joshua bassett who is her co-star on high school musical the musical the series and fellow disney star sabrina carpenter and then it takes on this whole other meaning outside of like the world that tiktok had created from being inspired by how incredible the song was it's so meta (laughs) So like there's like, oh my God, this could only happen in 2021. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of it too is the cultural nostalgia of the high school musical factor of like, no, none of us were paying attention to high school musical, the musical, the series before this happened. But it's that like, oh my God, like we watched high school musical growing up. We watched like the love triangles play out of like the peak of, you know, Miley, Demi, Mm -hmm. Selena, Zac Efron, just all of those. And so it was kind of that like, whoa, like here's the next generation generation similar stuff is happening and here she is writing this incredible song Mm -hmm. and it is really cool that it's like took on this whole other life on tiktok of like the canon of driver's license and then like you come to find out the real story and this also was at a time where there was not a lot going on in the music world there was not a lot going on like in general (laughs) in pop culture this was a very slow period and so this was prime entertainment for everybody on the internet yeah. I mean, honestly, if there had been anything else going on, I, do, I don't think that this would have been at least not like the true story behind it. Like, I don't think people would have super sleuthed out what was actually happening if there was anything else going on. Just because I feel like the world that had been created was enough, at least from my personal perspective. But I do think it's interesting because as we talked about in our Disney episode, is that Sabrina Carpenter, literally like two weeks after Driver's License comes out, Sabrina Carpenter drops this song called skin which a lot of people were assuming was a response song because obviously in driver's license olivia talks about the blonde girl who joshua bassett left her for and she's like very complimentary and kind about this blonde girl being like she's cooler than me she kind of makes me feel insecure whatever just a very much like oh like this blonde girl who's older than me kind of intimidates me because of her confidence and whatever you know and then this song skin by sabrina carpenter comes out and essentially the song is like you lost him and you're trying to get under my skin but like I'm fucking him. So like, screw you. You didn't. But the fact that somebody would write a song that's like, you're trying to get under my skin, but you didn't 
but also rubbing it in their face that you're fucking this man. I feel like that is 100% the definition of getting under someone's skin. (laughs) The drama of it all, man. I was just thinking if she had released any other song first, it (laughs) wouldn't have had this impact. It was like the fact that it was driver's license. It was the fact that there was this love triangle story behind it. The fact that like Sabrina Mm -hmm. essentially dropped like a diss track response, (laughs) which didn't do as well. (laughs) Like it was just entertainment at its finest. Yeah, because like Wow Good For You is definitely an incredible song and like had a really, really good music video. I think that 2021 being the like pop punk revival year, I think that if Olivia had come off the bat with Good For You, people would have just been like, oh, it's another girl reclaiming pop punk. And I don't think it would have made the same waves as your first song being a heartbreaking (laughs) breakup song. Essentially like a shower cry ballad is like is the best way to put it I think and yeah I definitely agree I think that if there had been anything else I think that she definitely still would have gotten popular but I don't think it would have been as this universally popular because the album is good don't get me wrong but it's very much like Joshua Bassett hurt me Joshua Bassett hurt me Joshua Bassett hurt me being a teenager sucks Joshua Bassett hurt me Joshua Bassett hurt me being a teenager sucks Joshua Bassett hurt me Joshua Bassett hurt me how many Grammys do you think she's gonna win I feel like she has to win best new artist at least this is the thing it's like obviously Billie Eilish like Billie Eilish sweeped you know and so I'm kind of scared that Olivia will too I don't want to be an asshole because I love this album and it was one of my most listened to albums this year but I don't think it's worth winning everything but I also am kind of scared that they're gonna be like she's a minority give her all of the Mm. awards yeah I think she'll get best new artist for sure yeah I feel like she has more of a chance of winning record of the year than album of the year because the song she's up against I think that they don't hold a candle other than Montero by Lil Nas X. I think that Driver's License, out of all the songs nominated for Record of the Year, had the most like cultural impact. Yeah, this is gonna be a tough one. We'll see. We'll see whether or not she sweeps because there have been a, like a lot of amazing. I know Lil Nas X has nominated a lot. There have been a lot of amazing artists this year. So eagerly awaiting the Grammys. And speaking of people who got their start working with Disney, we obviously have to talk about Britney Spears because after 13 long years of being stuck in a conservatorship, as of November 12th, Britney Spears is a free woman, which is so exciting and just a long time coming. And for those of you who need some information, a conservatorship is legally defined as a court case where a judge appoints an individual or organization called the conservator to take care for someone who quote, cannot care for themselves or who cannot manage their own finances. And this is all according to the judicial branch of California. Now, conservatorships change depending on which state you are in. But since Brittany is based in California, that is what a conservatorship is. And also, for those of you who might need a recap, in 2008, Brittany's dad, Jamie, not to be mistaken with his daughter, Jamie Lynn Spears of Zoe 101 fame, (laughs) was granted conservatorship over Brittany after she was hospitalized due to mental health issues. As you all know, since we have talked about this quite a lot recently in 2007, Brittany Spears was most likely suffering from postpartum depression. She shaved her head and was going through a custody battle with Kevin Federer line over their kids and it's just a lot it was not a good time to be Britney and it was not a good time to just be a famous woman suffering with mental health because there was no mental health discourse and the tabloids ruled the world
world. And over the years, it's come out that this conservatorship didn't allow Britney like any autonomy whatsoever. She was essentially an employee for like the Britney Spears brand, which was run by her dad, meaning that like she couldn't control her money. She couldn't marry her boyfriend. She couldn't have a baby. She had to perform even if she didn't want to. So like she had a Vegas residency for a few years. And there were even times where she would kind of like poke fun at the fact that she didn't sound great because she wasn't allowed to not go to work that day basically, even though they were there for her. And so while Britney didn't speak about her struggles of being in a conservatorship like at all during these 13 years, in June, since she was in court to try and get this to end, she finally made a public statement. In this statement, Britney claimed that she was forced to take strong drugs after refusing to perform. She was stopped from removing a birth control device, and she was allowed little to no privacy throughout the conservatorship. Like, if you listen to the recordings from her at court, she was essentially talking about how people were recording her and they were reporting every all these things back to her dad and how she would have cell phones snuck into her so that she can make calls to people to try and get help because anytime she would use her phone her phone was essentially like tapped is what it sounded like and so Brittany said during this court hearing quote I've lied and told the world I'm okay and I'm happy it's a lie I thought just maybe if I said that enough, maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I'm traumatized. You know, fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. I'm depressed. I cry every day. And so thankfully, Brittany is now free from this. She can do as she pleases. She and her hot 27-year-old fiance just went on vacation for her 40th birthday. She's posting wild and ridiculous TikToks and Instagram reels. And she's just like living her best life. Honestly, like while I would love to hear music from Britney again, I'm just so happy that she is happy and thriving and like getting to do whatever she wants. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we touched on this in like last week's episode on the tabloids, <laughs> but the New York Times documentary on Britney Spears came out in on February 5th, 2021. So another very early moment in this year that really was a cultural conversation across the nation. And we said this on on the last episode Mm -hmm. of unless you were a big Britney fan or you were a pop culture head, you probably didn't know this free Britney movement was going on. And so this was like a huge cultural Mm -hmm. moment of like New York Times reporting on this and interviewing people saying like how badly she was treated. And this really started the cultural conversation of us looking back at 20 years ago, not just at Britney, but at other people too and like how the media operates and so because of this documentary it really like put the issue in front of a lot of people and because there was public outrage I think it was really kind of fuel to the fire to help Britney take the next steps in the court of law taking her case more seriously because it is extremely Mm -hmm. hard to get out of a conservatorship when you're in it I mean she's been trying to get out of it for several years right and so it was really public outrage that pushed it to the next level of being like no you can't ignore this anymore like listen to what she's saying yeah because this is the thing about conservatorships is is like usually these are used for like a short term amount of time but the second that they last anything longer than like a year that just becomes your life it becomes a bunch of legal red tape and lots of problems especially in situations like this because the people who are in charge are in charge of your money they're using that money they're doing whatever they want with it Brittany was essentially given an allowance from the money that she was earning herself because her family was using her money to live the lifestyle 
style that they wanted, you know? And so it just is like a complete mess of a thing. And like Jenna said, I mean, a lot of people were at least slightly aware of what was going on, but most people didn't understand like the nitty gritty of what number one, being in a conservatorship means. And number two, how this was affecting Britney's life. But again, fans of hers have been paying attention to this since it's happened. There have been countless accounts and podcasts who are dedicated to essentially picking apart her Instagram posts and trying to figure out if actually she's writing them or if it was her social media manager who worked for Jamie rather than working for Britney, no matter what these people say. And this is the thing is it's like every single person who is on payroll working with Britney even if they're like, oh, we're on Team Britney, we're on Britney's side, they were all on payroll from Jamie. So no matter what they say, you have to take everything with a grain of salt, you know, because they're all getting paid by this man who's controlling Britney. And who knows what Britney would want to do if she had control of her career and her money, you know? This whole conservatorship is so wild that I think we can barely begin to wrap our minds around it and like what she's actually had to live through of legally her dad controlled her legally. She had no rights. Like that is so (laughs) messed up. And it's so sad just looking back because we've been talking a lot about early 2000s pop culture recently and Britney has come up a lot of like literally her whole life she's been controlled in one way or another i mean maybe in her early career she had some freedom but and like had creative freedom at least but the fact that she's had such a cultural impact in a positive way but at the same time Mm -hmm. something this outrageous and like negative has happened in her life is insane and i mean she's gonna be part of history like pop culture history forever yeah Yeah, I mean, the thing with Britney is, is that the second she started to get some sort of control over her career, meaning that she was no longer a teenager, she started dictating her own things. She started writing her own music and doing all that sort of stuff. She gets into this relationship with Kevin Federline where she's really happy, but she essentially because he is from a very similar background to her, she goes back to these Louisiana roots which the tabloids have a field day with because they're like, why is the world's most popular pop star barefoot at a gas station? The second she starts not behaving like a quote unquote pop star is when the tabloids start being really judgy and horrible about her. And as we already said, there has been at this point, absolutely no discourse around mental health. There is no language for what these women are going through and all that sort of stuff. Like there's no conversation about this happening. And so essentially the tabloids gave her dad this entryway into controlling his daughter because there is all of this quote unquote proof that, oh, she's having a mental health break. She's losing her mind. She's crazy. And all these things because it's not like, oh, she's depressed, she's suffering. It's like, no, she's a crazed woman. Ugh, yeah, it is truly so wild. And I mean, thinking about, you know, Britney Spears watching all this play out her career, being a blonde pop girly, then we have Billie Eilish, you know, 20 years later, seeing how her careers played out so differently and how the impact of Britney and what we've learned from Britney and what Billie Eilish has learned watching other idols grow up, other celebrities grow up and having more control over her image, her body. And of course, this year we saw her turning 19 and revealing her body to the world in like a very weird paradoxical reality where like 
this is what's going to happen if you choose to cover up your body as a teenager, which is really a whole other thing for us to unpack. So to break it down, in May of this year, Billie Eilish broke the internet with the June cover of Vogue, featuring her as the cover star. At this point, she's 19 years old. She's known for wearing tracksuits, oversized t-shirts. But on this cover story, she's wearing a pink Gucci corset, nude latex skirt, and gloves. And the rest of the story featured multiple other shots of Billie in Gucci lingerie. And of course, the internet all lost their fucking minds from fans excited that Billy was sharing this other side of herself to lusty men who've been counting down the days until the question of is she slim thick or what was finally answered. And then we also have fans being upset that Billy changed, that she gave in to the patriarchy wanting to see her body. <laughs> so literally every viewpoint that could be had was being had on the internet. But I think Billy <laughs> said it best when she was speaking with journalist Laura Snapes, one of our faves, for this feature in Vogue where <laughs> she predicted the response to this shoot coming out by saying, quote, suddenly you're hypocrite if you want to show your skin and you're easy and you're slut and you're whore. And if I am, then I'm proud. I think that she's incredibly well-spoken and really thought out. And as I've said multiple times, I wish that every single teen pop star had a family unit like she yeah, has, um, because not only do they have industry knowledge, but they also just care and they yeah. are there. And it's just like a very healthy family situation, which makes a lot of her decisions and choices so much easier, you know, because she had her family team behind her in everything that she does. And I mean, like, obviously, this Vogue cover story really just blew everybody away because they were just like, oh, my God, we're finally going to be seeing like what's going on. And in 2019, so two years prior to this, Billy is talking a lot about like what might happen if her style evolves. She spoke about it with Eve Barlow for Elle in 2019, where she's talking about how she has boobs. She was born with DNA that was going to give her big ass boobs. And so when talking about her style evolving, she's like, I'm going to be a woman and I want to show my body. And it's like, what if I want to make a video where I want to look desirable? Not talking of porno, she clarifies and goes on to say, but I know that it would be a huge thing. And I know people will say that they've lost respect for me, which did happen with this Vogue cover shoot. And like, she clearly has had lots of thoughts about what it would mean for her yeah. to eventually stop protecting her body from people being aware that it exists. Because also in the 2019 Calvin Klein hashtag my truth campaign, she was featured in this and you see her like in her normal tracksuit oversized outfit sort of thing in an empty bathtub and she's talking about this and she goes, I never want the world to know anything about me. I mean, that's why I wear big baggy clothes. Nobody can have an opinion because they haven't seen what's underneath. Nobody can be like, oh, she's slim thick. She's not slim thick. She's got a flat ass she's got a fat ass no one can say any of that because they don't know and I feel like fans really clung on to that and so when this Vogue cover came out it was like ah what I think your point about her being so eloquent in this way and like well thought out is sad that she has to be as a teenager she has to be so aware of this but at the same time because she is in this position it's always going to be a thing and so like you said it's mm -hmm. amazing that she has a supportive family and she has like a tight-knit team around her who can help her navigate these situations and that she's someone who's been well thought out about this situation and as we said it, it was a huge turning point for so 
many young women of feeling allowed to wear baggy clothes, feeling allowed to cover their body if they want to. And going back to that L cover story, she also said, it makes me mad that I have to wear a big shirt for you to not feel uncomfortable about my boobs, which is putting it perfectly well, because that's exactly it, right? It's like, she's a teenager navigating insane stardom, and this is what it comes down to, right? 20 years later from what we saw with Britney, being a 17-year-old half-naked on Rolling Stone, to Billie Eilish being like, I don't want you to over-sexualize me. This is my body, and you're going to see what I allow you to see. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Yeah, it seems like somebody read the 1999 Britney Spears Rolling Stone cover story. I was like, I don't want nobody referring to my bosom as ample. (laughs) Truly, (laughs) truly. But speaking about blonde women reclaiming their narrative, we also obviously have to talk about Taylor Swift because Taylor Swift did something that I feel like we all were hoping she was actually going to do, but weren't sure if it was going to happen. So on April 9th, 2021, the world as we know it changed. Taylor Allison Swift, a.k.a. Blondie, held true to her promise and stuck it to the man. Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta would go on to curse her name for the rest of eternity and regret the day that they did not sell her masters back to her because she released the first of her re-recordings of her old albums, aka the Taylor's version universe. These releases started with the re-release of her 2008 album, Fearless, which featured re-recordings of every song on that album, as well as inclusions of a few songs from the vault that fans had never heard before. And while this was big news, because there was a bonus song about Joe Jonas and a lot of other cool things for fans around this release, another Taylor re-release was going to blow this out of the water. Because in November of this year, we have the re-release of 2012's Red, which had lots of fans speculating about what could possibly come with this album, mainly because there was this mythical being of a 10-minute version of Taylor's famous breakup song, All Too Well. And they were hoping that since with Fearless, she released songs from the vault, that Red, Taylor's version, would also include songs from the vault. And to everyone's joy and to the internet, drama seekers (laughs) in all of us. Taylor Swift gave us the gift that was all too well, 10 minute version, Taylor's version from the vault. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so for those of you who might need some background, All Too Well is about Taylor's three-month-long relationship with actor Jake Gyllenhaal when she was 20 and he was 29, in which he love-bombed her, gaslit her, and then broke up with her. And on their first date, he took her to his mother's house for some reason. Interesting. Um, And this release not only gave us this incredible 10-minute version of this song, but it also came with a short film featuring actors Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink, aged 30 and 19 at the time of filming. And they were depicting the relationship in the song, age gap and all. And watching 30-year-old Dylan O'Brien kiss 19-year-old Sadie Sink, who just yesterday was a literal child in Stranger Things, was enough to make every single person's skin crawl who saw this send it to any boy who ever wronged them and be like, how does this make you feel? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. honestly i would not be shocked if this music video and the subsequent conversations that were had after it did not lead to a couple breakups maybe a divorce you know what <laughs> the pop girlies came to bat this year man they're just going all out home runs all around taylor swift is not playing around you know i was gonna say first of all she did not waste any time with these re-releases <laughs> she was like all right let's get him rolling i don't want scooter Braun. i don't want any of these other men Scott Bruschetta owning my masters. Let's get this going. Like no time to waste. But then she gives you the 10 minute all too well. And then she gives you a mini movie. Like she did not have to do that. She is literally just bestowing gifts upon everyone and like calling out her weird creepy exes while doing it. And my favorite thing was the discourse around this was mainly very positive in that people were acknowledging how a relationship that at the time didn't seem that bad and a song that at the time seemed kind of like a lovesick girl has now taken on this new life of a woman looking back on a relationship she had when she was a girl and fixing the narrative to actually be what had happened. Yeah. Um, because she is now healed from the gaslighting, which I think is an incredible thing to do. But my favorite thing about all of this, the icing on the cake is that All Too Well 10-minute version short film can, in fact, be nominated for a short film Oscar. And you know who does not have an Oscar? Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Oh! Let's go, everyone. Damn. I want to see that happen. Taylor Swift, EGOT. Let's go. (laughs) Honestly, like, I don't think it's that far-fetched. Like, I feel like it could 100% happen. I want I want to see this happen now. I mean, like she went all the way there. Let's why not go all the way, guys? Honestly, this reclaiming of the narrative and the fans getting to reap these rewards, but also kind of just watching every single person collectively be like Jake Gyllenhaal's enemy number one and all the memes that came from it of like, oh, Joe Jonas, like wiping his brow, being like, I got away so easy, didn't I? See, this is what has been amazing about this year. We're saying, okay, so we're talking about this Britney Spears New York Times documentary opening a lot of people's eyes 20 years after the fact with Taylor Swift. 10 years after the fact of this relationship, she's getting to reclaim the narrative and retell her story. And it's bringing a lot of things to light, right? Like this has been a very empowering Mm -hmm. year for these women. Yeah, I think just in general, like while 2021 has definitely been the longest year ever and like not the best year ever, I feel like the pop culture narrative around the feminist journey for pop culture and 
and just like women's empowerment within pop culture and just women's as like general public women's like understanding of womanhood and like our equality and everything. I feel like there's been a lot of forward momentum in that regard because number one, we've had two years to sit and think about our thoughts and deal with trauma and all that stuff. But it's also like revisiting old things that were at one point like a comfort movie or album or song or whatever revisiting that as an adult and being like oh shit because the conversation like we said up until like five years ago so many things didn't exist you know like before the me too movement nobody was talking about sexual assault in pop culture or just even in real life it was like a very frowned upon topic like very taboo to discuss yeah um as well as normal abuse and yeah just women being treated like second class citizens and all these things and so there clearly has been some sort of reckoning and it'll be really interesting to see how this goes forward from this theme of these women getting their power back essentially yeah because i mean it's like a combination of the cultural nostalgia of like reliving things in our teen years when the world didn't seem like it was such a bad place to being able to relive that nostalgia but also because the cultural conversation has shifted and we're able to like call out things a lot more and understand why things were kind of messed up it's given us a totally new sight of those popper culture moments and while we're on the topic of women who've absolutely owned this year we do just want to give a shout out to Megan the Stallion for absolutely having a stellar year <laughs> despite all the bullshit she's been put through including her ex-boyfriend Tori Lanes shooting her in the foot homegirls 26 and just graduated college on December 11th. Like, she won Grammys this year. Her career skyrocketed and she still got a college degree. That is so incredible. So, Earlier this year at the Grammys, she won Best New Artist, becoming the first female rapper to do so since Lauryn Hill in 1999 and only the third solo rapper ever following Chance the Rapper in 2017. She also won for Best Rap Song and Best Rap Performance for Savage, the remix featuring Beyonce. And I remember watching the Grammys and she was just so emotional. Like this was such a special moment for her because I think Mm -hmm. she's been doing music since like 2016 and then 2019 Mm -hmm. is when she really started taking off. Mm -hmm. And like another career that's like skyrocketed very fast and it's amazing that she's getting the recognition that she deserves by like the recording academy which honestly has a lot to do with them fucking up and people lighting a fire under their ass and i mean like we've talked about Megan before and her struggles with her record label and how she's been in countless lawsuits with them including them wanting to stalemate her when she did a remix of Butter with BTS and so I mean she has had so many hurdles she's had to jump over I mean including the fact of just being a black woman in music that automatically stamps like hurdle on your head and you have to deal with that throughout your whole career and she has come out on top in every situation because she's beauty, she is grace, and she is a legend, you know? (laughs) She just is a whole package. No, no, really. I mean, to me, it's so cool to see that she's been so dedicated to wanting to get her degree because it's like she could have easily just dropped out because she's like, well, I'm rich and famous now, you know? But she had started her Mm -hmm. degree health administration, and so she graduated from Texas Southern University with her bachelor's, and she posted on Instagram with the caption, I want y'all 
y'all to remember that you can do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be because look at me and I just think like it literally just like gives me chills reading that it makes me so happy to like (laughs) see someone who's like empowering so many people because a college degree is something Mm -hmm. that is relatable for a lot of people you know being a pop star is not relatable for a lot of people it's a one in a million thing to be a pop star and for a lot of people it's a struggle just to go to college but college is something that's a lot more accessible than being a pop star is the point I'm trying to make and so for her to like (laughs) show that despite being famous she still like was dedicated to going to college and she said that her mom and her grandmother were really big influences and her getting her degree I think that's so empowering to so many Mm -hmm. people and I just love that she's been such an advocate and she's been so outspoken about stuff like this yeah no, she's absolutely incredible and I'm super excited to see where her career goes from here and what she brings to the table because I honestly feel like musician entrepreneur sort of situation is totally on the cards for her. Like she could definitely do anything, but I feel like with her experience and everything she's talked about, like seeing her open her own management or her own label, I think is what I I'm hoping happens from the Megan Thee Stallion camp because I feel like she could do incredible things being a mentor to other women in the music industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. And also I found the USA Today article that mentioned that in addition to finishing her degree, she has also been helping fund the degrees of others by sponsoring a full ride scholarship to the Rock Nation School of Music, Sports and Entertainment for students interested in the music industry. So it's like already she's giving back to her community. And like you just said, I absolutely see that being in her future too. That's so incredible. I love her. She's great. I know. (laughs) And while obviously all these women have been doing really incredible things this year and having all the success and really proving that the music industry needs more of us having a seat at the table, we need to talk about Lil Nas X because shockingly to I feel like everybody is when we acknowledge time in any shape or form because Lil Nas X has only been part of our lives since 2019. (laughs) So literally this man has only been in our lives for two years and he has I think changed music in so many ways Yeah, from obviously confusing everybody with what genre Old Town Road was to everything he's done. So obviously he's been making waves since like the pop culture zeitgeist got its hands on him. But in 2021, we truly saw like Lil Nas X fully come into his own and coming into your own as a gay black man whose music exists without conforming to one specific genre. You're 100% going to ruffle some feathers and he very, very proudly did that. And I've never never seen somebody so excited about ruffling as many feathers as he ruffled. And obviously there's been so many things that we could acknowledge, but I think you have to start from the beginning. So on March 26th of this year, Lil Nas X released a music video for his single Montero, Call Me By Your Name, which was a huge hit on and off of TikTok. Everybody was obsessed with it. And in this video, you see Lil Nas not only depicting the story of Adam and Eve, where he played every character, even the snake, Iconic. But you also witness him dance down a stripper pole straight into hell to not only give a lap dance to Satan, but seduce him, murder him, and take over hell as his own. which I think is iconic imagery and just a really powerful thing because again, like his whole career since he's come out as gay has been, oh, you're going to go to hell because of that. And it's like, well, why would I want to go to heaven if a bunch of bigots are there anyway? So I might as well reclaim hell for the gays, you know? And so obviously this, this imagery led to mass anger from religious folk, Republicans, anybody who thinks every famous person has to be a role model for their children. He was making 
everyone mad. And to really phone in the satanic theme, he also partnered with the creative agency Mischief to design the Satan Shoes, which were a limited edition sneaker which they made 666 pairs of, and they were custom Nike Airs in which the air bubbles in the sole were filled with a mixture of red ink and, quote, one drop of human blood. The shoes cost $1,018 a pair, and Nike did actually be like, you can't do that. <laughs> so there was a lawsuit going on there, and people were really mad about it, and Lil Nas X was like, just don't watch the video and don't buy the sneakers then, like, calm down. And this obviously wasn't all that Lil Nas X got up to this year, but I think that having a claim to fame be the reason why <laughs> satanic panic is back in full spring in the conservative community is one that you will talk about for the rest of your life. I mean, he has been so far since we've known him, like he's been very outspoken on Twitter, just firing back at people. And even when Industry Baby came out, same thing, firing back at people. And so we did talk about Lil Nas X a lot in our recent music meltdown when we talked about Astroworld and Satanic Panic and conspiracies. But I think to Sarah's point earlier of this music video is really him just laughing in the face of everyone who's saying you're going to go to hell. He's like... Hell yeah, I'm going to hell. Like, it's a party. (laughs) Who's joining me? And did so in a very creative, but also just like in your face way. Like he was being very loud about this whole thing. Yeah, I feel like essentially when you're being like, the haters are getting to me. How do I reclaim this and make this into a confidence thing? And you're like, ah, yes, I'm going to kill Satan with camp. That is when you've truly won the narrative and reclaim something and been like you know what i'm taking hell for the gays like that's what we're doing here and that's what he's done with everything basically is like every music video that has come out this year has been some sort of depiction of something that the conservative party of america is going to frown upon from him dancing naked in a jail to him making out with his boyfriend in a music video where they play football players and all of these things that are happening where it's like, oh, no, that can't happen. Football can't be gay. Jail can't be gay. Hell can't be gay. Like (laughs) all these things. And it's like, okay, like just let him be him. And he really took that and was like, yeah, I'm going to be me. I'm going to own this. This is who I am. If you don't like it, then sucks to be you. I'm not here to babysit your kids, Karen. I'm starting to think that... The people who think that every celebrity is a role model and conservatives are the same people (laughs) because not everything is for kids and not everything is for you. But also the fact that Lil Nas X was born in 1999. He's literally 21, (laughs) 22, and he's done this much already. An icon, a legend. (laughs) He's never going away. Yeah, so I mean, it's been it's been a good year for lots of people who aren't straight white men, which I feel like is very exciting to say, because I feel like most of the time the years belong to straight white men. But speaking of straight white men, straight white men are in right now, apparently, because all the Kardashians are dating them. It is now time for a 2021 relationship wrap up. Oh, man, there's so many... 
So obviously, as we all know, right now, the big news is, is that the Kardashians are starting to whiteify themselves again. We are seeing BBLs get taken away. We are seeing tans not be as strong. We are seeing them dating men who look like they do heroin. They fully have warped horrified themselves, and I do not know how to feel about it. Oh my God. Because it's weird and questionable, and obviously shows that when you have money, changing your body can be a trend. But obviously, this all couldn't have happened without the Kim and Kanye divorce and Kanye going and talking about in front of thousands of people how Kim wanted to have an abortion when she was pregnant with North, which is like private information that you should not be sharing to people as a way for people to feel bad for you. There were the beautiful rumors of Kanye hooking up with Jeffree Star since they were both living in Wyoming. And Kim Kardashian has decided to PR date Pete Davidson because also like two days ago, Pete Davidson and Miley Cyrus said that they were dating. So who knows what's going on anymore? (laughs) Yeah. But I am obsessed with the fact that Pete Davidson is so powerful that he is getting all of these rich women to go to Staten Island for the first time in their whole lives. You know what? Talking about men who piggyback (laughs) off of women's careers, none of this would be possible if he hadn't dated Ariana, (laughs) if they hadn't been engaged. We talk all about that in our Ariana episode, but they like both of their careers really elevated with that relationship. And now somehow Pete Davidson is a A A-list star. But the whole Kardashian clan dating the tattooed skater boy is very... very like a high school freshman girl dating the cool edgy (laughs) senior who can drive her around and like his car smoking cigarettes oh my god yeah but for real honestly this clashing of worlds upset me so much that it just made me realize how famous and rich famous and rich people are because it's literally like the one percent of celebrities (laughs) like the pool of people you can date is so small (laughs) that they had no other options but to date each other (laughs) Yeah, they're now Courtney likes some mosh with Travi. Oh. <laughs> what was oh that TikTok? God. My favorite TikTok of all time. <laughs> Wait, do some more. Travi, play drums on my butt. <laughs> Let's go to Warp Tour, Travis. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Oh. We yeah. can be like Sid and Nancy if we want, Travi. <laughs> oh. We're guys, we're living in an alternate universe at this point. I just there's no other way around it. Like Well, I mean being of alternate universe relationships, that's like Kat Dennings and Andrew WK possibly already being married, at least being engaged. Where did that relationship come from? Also, why do they look like they be on siblings or dating? Like there's so many questions. That <laughs> energy that energy that relationship has the same energy as Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum though. <laughs> You can't tell me it doesn't. I just, honestly, out of all the surprise celebrity relationships, my favorite one is absolutely Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum because who saw this coming? And like, I love that they're like not even, I I think it's because the Kardashians are just so all over the place right now with their emo boyfriends, but highly underrated relationship (laughs) in my opinion. But like, I love when it's the other way around where like a guy who's verging on being a himbo gym rat is dating like a really hip girl who like shows him like takes him to Bushwick for the first time. Yeah. Like just like him being like, I didn't I didn't know you could go past Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Like that's a thing. And she's like, oh, wait till you see these other places. Have you heard of Prospect Park? Like the photo of him riding a bicycle and her just like her just like 
straddling him in the back is just hilarious. I love it so much. Oh my god. Oh my god. But I mean, like, there are so many weird relationships, or like even relationships that probably should have happened ten years ago, like Avril Lavigne and Mod Son, because yes. I feel like they both have been affecting pop punk forever. And the fact that they're dating now is just hilarious. Because I'm like, who who introduced them? Like, what was going on here? And it's just like it's so funny because I feel like the celebrity world of these people sliding into each other's DMs or whatever's going on it's like I just for one day would love to know what that's like to just like see it happen of like who connected these people like how did Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum meet? (laughs) Speaking of celebrity DMs we know exactly how Lizzo slid into Chris Evans DMs thankfully because Lizzo shares all on TikTok. Oh my god, the celebrity relationship that never happened but should have. TBD. Here's hoping. (laughs) 2022, baby. I would love that, but also we're mad at Lizzo because Lizzo told Chris Brown that he was her favorite singer. So Unexplainable things, man. But also, in somebody manifesting relationships on social media, Phoebe Bridgers was like, wow, I really love the hot guy with a chain from that Irish TV show on Hulu. And next thing we know... Z-Way, my favorite comedian, is outing Paul Mezcal and Phoebe Bridgers as a couple on Instagram, which is my favorite pop culture moment ever, I think. Oh my god. This is what I'm saying about having some level of celebrity. Suddenly, you're just like in this circle of being able to date other celebrities. It's like when you have like a friend crush on somebody on Twitter and you're like, oh my god, I really want to be mutuals with them. And then you're finally mutuals and you're like, oh my god, we're Mm -hmm. BFFs. It's like that, but like celebrities (laughs) and dating. (laughs) yeah it's like how i felt when erica came on our podcast (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you're like oh my god they recognize me (laughs) they acknowledge me as a journalist and phoebe bridget is like he acknowledges me as a human woman (laughs) wow and now she's just like aggressively posting him on her instagram it feels so out of character i don't know that much about phoebe bridgers but like how much she is becoming an instagram girlfriend of paul mezcal is like i don't know it feels off brand (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess we know we're getting a love album next. Maybe. Unless they break up. Unless she waits until they break up to write that album. Oh my god. Can you imagine if we just went years without her album? Because she's like, I can't write when I'm happy. Yeah. I don't know. As we said, like this year has just been full of surprise, unexpected relationships. And I feel like the king of surprise, unexpected relationships was Harry Styles hooking up with Olivia Wilde and them dating because he essentially went to work one day and was like, wow, I'd love to fuck my boss. And his boss was like, yeah, and I'm going to wear your merch every day for the rest of time. (laughs) But you know what? Maybe one of the few quote-unquote rock stars in history to date women that are older than him and not 10 years younger. True, true. So props, props to Harry Styles, props to Machine Gun Kelly also for being one of the only men in pop punk dating a woman older than him. Good on these men. But I don't know. I feel like I just need to think about Harry, uh, Harry, Harry. There we go. I just made a couple names. Whoops. Um, because while we could talk about MGK and Megan Fox forever because their relationship is fucking weird, including that GQ interview where (laughs) they talked about how their relationship came to be. I'm obsessed with that. You know what? I have to change my favorite pop culture moment of the year. It was that GQ interview. I think also when she thought that he wouldn't know her favorite Harry Potter movie and he was like, babe, I got you. And then they did their weird handshake thing. (laughs) And then she, like, knows his entire birth chart by memory. 
I'm obsessed with her being obsessed with him, honestly. Yeah. But this is my thing, though, is like, I want all celebrity couples to be forced to do what Megan Fox and MGK asked their publicists to make happen for them. Like, I want Harriet and Olivia Wilde to have to go on a press tour about their relationship and talk about it to GQ. Like, I just want, like, I don't know. It's just so funny. Yeah. Because, like, I don't have a problem with them dating. I just think that, like, she's being really extra about it. Like, she's very proud of herself. And I'm like, you literally have children with Jason Sudeikis. Harry's really not that much of an upgrade from Ted fucking Lasso, but okay. We also have other One Direction news this year. Liam Payne and Maya Henry, who's from San Antonio, getting engaged and then announcing their disengagement, but also maybe they're still together now? Question mark? Yeah. Okay, he was spotted in Texas in an H-E-B, which is our chain grocery store, and he's only in Texas for one reason, and it's Maya Henry, and we all know that. So, Oh my god. The Liam Payne trajectory is something that I feel like research papers should be written on, because it's just confusing. And speaking of weird One Direction relationship news, Zayn and Gigi Hadid had a baby this year, but also they broke up because Zayn maybe beat up Gigi's mom? Question mark, question mark? Yeah, a lot of question marks there. I don't know if you know anything about this, but one of my coworkers was saying that the Hadid family was on one of the like real housewives or something of like Beverly Hills or something like like a reality show. Yeah. Like when they were teenagers and that like Yolanda is kind of crazy. Yeah, Yolanda's insane. Yolanda was essentially an abusive mother in that she kind of forced at least Gigi to have an eating disorder. So there's like a lot of questionable things there. And like Zane's statement about this tiff with Yolanda Hadid was very kind of telling in that he did not want Yolanda around their baby and that he thought that Gigi was going to stand up for him. But he also made the statement that they want to be able to co-parent in peace. And co-parent is a term that you use when you're no longer in a relationship with the person. But there has been no explanation of the co-parenting usage in that statement. So, you know, a lot going on there. But I feel like my favorite celebrity news, um, just because I personally am unfortunately part of the conspiracy theorists that believe that Sean Mendes is a gay man. Um, and I pick apart every single TikTok he's ever posted, including the one where he did that like trend where people say the thing that people think and then they tell the truth. And he did that in a closet. And I'm like... <laughs> subliminal messaging much um but sean men sean it's giving share mendez um (laughs) broke up with camila cabello (laughs) wow talk about celebrities who need to do relationship press tours that we never got i mean their entire relationship was a press tour but also not because we were all just like are they really dating everybody's favorite pandemic pap walks were for nothing when they were walking with the coffee cups and the coffee cups were empty (laughs) empty like clearly had never had coffee in them yes yeah not empty because they drank them empty because they were fake Literally. And no matter how hard Camila tried to be sexy and to make people lust after her, and no matter how much she tried to give share, she just wasn't enough for Sean Mendez. And they amicably broke up. And then Sean Mendez announced a tour where King Princess is supporting him. Oh, <laughs> wow. So much to unpack. Oh my god. As long as Shawn Mendes is happy, it's fine. Like, you do you, boo. But from now on, I will be referring to him only as Sean is giving me Cher Mendes. Yep. <laughs> as, as we all should. 
And with that, what a year it's been, man. Truly an insane year of women coming out on top and celebrities fucking with us within their love lives. This year has definitely been a wild ride. I'm proud of us in this podcast. I'm proud of Pete Davidson for all the famous pussy he's been getting. (laughs) Proud of Pete Davidson for climbing the social ladder through his relationships. I'm proud of Travis Barker and his pop punk boot camp that he's been doing out of his garage. So cute. Are we though? Are we though? No, like I would I would have said yes, but no, because he let little Huddy make a whole album and then he like decided that he created Kenny Hoopla. Like, I don't know any of this because Travis Barker doesn't talk about it, but I feel like Travis Barker is like, oh, yeah, I made that little Huddy album, but also Kenny Hoopla. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like he he, he collabed with Kenny Hoopla to (laughs) to like wash away the little Huddy from his record. (laughs) Wait, that's too funny. Um, let the record show Kenny Hoopla was cool before Travis Barker. A hundred percent. So is Willow Smith. So is Avril Lavigne. If anything, Travis Barker needed these artists more than they needed him because without all of these artists, he would not have his career redemption arc. I know. <laughs> What wow. what a fucking year, Jenna. So so essentially all the white men we've talked about have just cl- been climbing the social ladder this year is what we're is what it comes down to. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's the only reason why white men had any success this year because they climbed the social ladder. <laughs> all right. So that's 2021 in a year, baby. Can't wait for 2022. Yeah, can't wait to see what happens. I'm excited and nervous for the world of music, but and pop culture but you know us we'll always find something to complain about so we'll catch you in 2022 with more yelling about how bad women have been treated throughout time and space so if you have any thoughts or feelings about anything we talked about today anything we've talked about this whole year come chat with us over the holidays that i do not celebrate on social media we are at name three songs or if you have any personal beef about anything we talked about today or in this whole year come chat with us personally i am at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs and this year on name three songs and until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to anyone who's not a white man (laughs) don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about anything we referenced in this episode you can visit name three songs Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.